and welcome to Farscape Friday, episode 75. I'm Kay, here with my co-host, Taz. Hello there. Today we'll be discussing the ninth episode of season four, A Prefect Murder. Let's get started. Welcome back. Here's a quick summary of a prefect murder. Now in tormented space, the crew has finally found a planet with drinkable water and food they can eat, only to be thrown into the local politics when Shiana and Sakozu sleep with locals, Dargo plays politician, and Aaron is forced to murder the only man on the planet that wants peace. The unwilling assassin trope, or the Manchurian candidate, which kind of epitomized this this assassin being have a trigger and unknowingly goes and kills people and the first half of this episode really kind of plays this up about like not being certain what's going on because we have the same time period being shown with before the assassination and we keep adding context and point of view with each subsequent showing of events so we see the beginnings of a scene fragment we've already heard or we see what's going on with the other person being spoken to on the comms so it's it's very fragmented and it's a little hard to parse actually but ultimately i like the effect it builds of not quite knowing what's going on until the actual assassination happens and we find out that aaron is the one who has just shot all these people Yeah, I think that that's a good point of kind of this layering that's going on, because the first time it happens, it's after the credits. And so you immediately flash back to something that we just saw. And actually, I had a moment of kind of like, was this just an editing error? (laughs) Did nobody notice that we've already seen this? And then you realize that you're seeing more Mm -hmm. than what you saw before. And it really, I think one of the reasons I like this is because... This is the sort of thing that on some levels I wish we saw more often. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think that if they overused this sort of thing, it would first of all get tired and episodes would just get too long. Yeah. But at the same time, it was nice to kind of see more than we usually do about how each character is interacting with each other and what they're actually saying and not just the like really important lines. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, it reminded me a lot of how Leverage did its like heist reveal. So a Leverage episode, mm-hmm. they'll have the thing. It looks like they're in trouble. But then at the very end, they'll do this little grayed out tinting of the of the camera work to show, oh, that little bit that you thought was them in trouble was selective editing. And here's how that whole scene actually played out to make the the heist work and you see you see that notions 11 too and so it's very common for drawing out the mystery of things and it, mm-hmm. and it happens here too i'm not sure i would want this in every episode or do this more because if you think <laughs> about the actual action there's actually not that much it's a shorter action sequence of plot that happens just because they're repeating the first part so many times Yeah, like I said, I think it was nice to see it once. And it's definitely the sort of thing that I think in in a fanfic or a novel, you would see more of because you would be able to see like the entire scene and you would have, you know, however many thousand words to do it. But here it was nice because you got to see Dargo and Chiana. You got to see John trying to he was he was actually playing himself very similar to how he was playing in um, that episode with like the the head crab thing. Thanks for sharing. 
thanks for sharing you know that it felt very similar to that yeah. and then and then we also find out that like Sakozu isn't the good girl she portrays <laughs> herself to be which was kind of hilarious but that's the thing that's so cool you get all these extra layers of things it actually reminded me a lot of the ugly truth the Rashomon episode in season mm. two where you get everybody's retelling of the same sequence of events and how what people remember is different just because of what their priorities mm-hmm. are and how they remember other people it's not quite so point of view centric because you know we don't have dialogue changing we don't have attitudes changing but we still have this okay now we're seeing this more from john's point of view now we're seeing this conversation more from dargo's point of view and i actually pulled several quotes to kind of show this layering so there's kind of three that happen in the order that they happen in and they're short and then there's a longer sequence that incorporates a couple of them together so i want to play the first one and the first sequence the 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 episode opens on a mob coming after Chiana and Aaron readying the Prowler. And Aaron is readying the Prowler because Chiana's being kicked off the planet for screwing with somebody that they disapproved of. Yeah, it sounds of. like she slept with. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> yeah. Chiana being Chiana and Dargo yelling at her and trying to make it all smoothed out with the leader. This is right before the credit sequence. And Aaron's been having these flashes of like, of shooting people, which obviously becomes important later on. So here we go. The only risk is that my failure will signal there's more to be gained from war than from peace. Let me help you. The less anyone sees of you and your friends, the better for me. Aaron, talk to Rigel. He said that Moya still out of commission. How you doing? I'm getting a really bad vibe. Oh God, she's talking English. Vibe. It's a really bad vibe. Dargo may be right. Until we find another source of food and water. I'll get back to you. So this is after, though, they've sent Chiana off on Aaron's Prowler, which has been auto-set to return to Moya. And she tells her, don't touch anything, but it's Chiana. So we see where that's going. And then Aaron has followed this little boy Mm -hmm. that was playing with her Prowler and that she had a flashing vision of hitting him. Yes. And she follows him to the village, yes. Where you know you hear Dargo and the ma- you hear Dargo and the prefect in the background. Yeah, his name is uh, Gasha. I think he's the though he's going to become the next prefect of this warring. Peace is very new to this planet of two hundred clans who have been warring with each other. So they have this rotating prefect schedule, and. And mm-hmm. so that's what that little the little bit of the two of them is like. Look, this is a really delicate political situation. Chiana's already sort of fucked it up and you guys need to clear out for a while. Yeah, but their problem is that Moya is down for the count. And so going up there, they would be, you know, no food, no water, (laughs) no lights. You know, I have no idea why Rigel stayed up there, except probably the puppetry was so concerned with this other character (laughs) that they have. Yeah, the priest. Yeah, so, Mm -hmm. so when this scene plays and... 
Aaron is, is from Aaron's point of view because she's crouched next to the little boy at first. The little boy wanders off. And so she's overhearing Dargo and Gasha have this conversation. And she's looking around. And these literally long pauses you hear in the middle of that is her flashing to seeing people shot around her. And she doesn't know what's going on, is very disorienting. And so when John comes, John is up at a different location with the current prefect. So she's like, I have this really bad bribe. And of course, then you have this little John Aaron interplay of like, he's, you know, turned on by the fact that she's speaking English and has to take some of his Laka, uh, essence of Laka drug. And she's just still really kind of weirded out by what's going on and says, I'll get back to you. But yeah, that one's the first mm-hmm. one. And I can understand why you're confused because we see this one a couple times. So the next one I picked was of the conversation be- we see of Dargo. This one happens after the credits. So after the credits, we have Chiana on the planet again, and she's confronting the priest who's this little tiny puppet, probably about the same size as Rigel, but he's got a human face and white scraggly hair and a tattoo on his forehead and pretty much non-existent, very small, non-existent limbs. And so, and then you hear the same argument with the, the people, the mob that, the natives. Yeah, the mob that's after Chiana. And then you get more of Gasha, the future prefect and Dargo talking, and you actually see more of a conversation that they have which is much more fraught and really gets into the politics of this whole situation, their aggressive past and everything. And then you have Dargo talking to John, and this is how this this conversation goes. He wants us to leave. Well, it may not be revived yet. I think you should go. What if I don't want to, Captain? He respects me. It would help if I could show him that I have you under some sort of control, more or less. Right. I'll check in with the ship. So that's that little snippet. So then there's the confusion of like, why is Chiana back down? So this is when you kind of start to see that, that you're getting more information with each playback of this, of this sequence of time. Mm-hmm. I like a, a couple things there. I like John kind of being playful mm-hmm. because I think not being in charge really lets him play into <laughs> his like, I'm going to be as much of an asshole as I can, you know? Yeah. Because, like, the whole playing Scotty thing is hilarious, and he does it a few more times this episode, but it really makes me laugh. And then also, I like here that Dargo is acknowledging that even though he is titularly captain, Mm -hmm. he's really got very little control over these people. It's a very (laughs) loose control. Right. And it's kind of when he reminds John about that, when he says... Hey, listen, it would be nice if it looked like I had some control <laughs> over you guys. That then John kind of comes to heal because Dargo is his friend, and because John does realize that if John stops following the captain, then Dargo really doesn't have a hope for anybody else, you know? Yeah, well, it's very much a captaincy base of seated control. Like, Boya and Pilot wanted a captain, and everyone else decided, okay, we're going to let Dargo be in charge. And it's very much them giving him that power rather than him being some authority that's imposing it from the top down. And so mm-hmm. it actually kind of reminds me of the of Black Sails captaincy a little bit. I don't know if you've seen that show, but it's amazing. But the pirate ships are basically elect their captains. Like captain has total control when they're in battle, but every other time, like the crew can come and challenge him and like vote him out of being captain. You know, so it's that kind of kind of dynamic going on with this crew, even though they're you know less violent with each other. But it's mm-hmm. very much of of Dargo's power only comes from the people he leads. Yeah, 
Yeah. And I think that that's kind of what John definitely feels here is it felt, you know, him kind of being like, okay, I'll talk to Rigel like right away, Mm -hmm. not even arguing a little bit more just to, you know, which felt, I think that in season three, he definitely would have argued more and been kind of like, hey, well, they would have messaged us or like, hey, we should at least get as much time down here as we can, Mm -hmm. given that we're probably all going stir crazy. But it really did feel good to have John kind of having Dargo's back in this way, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. And it's very much the two of them being the buddies together. But this time it's Dargo taking the lead rather than John taking the lead in the action, which is kind of cool. And um, yeah. and the other thing is, it's funny that you point out that that John does this more than the Scotty impression more than once in the episode. It's actually the same conversation. It's just we see it in a different part of the episode. And I'm going to get to that because I pulled that whole I pulled the whole John quote. Uh, for the fourth one but first I want to go to the third one which I pulled when I say like the first second third there's more than just these these are just the ones that I pulled out because I really like what they're saying so we have Chiana sneaking around in the woods and we have her watching Sukozu and uh, Zarbet I think is the son of the of the of Gasha the prefect that Dargo has been dealing with and now this scene we see some of Sukozu and the boy young man earlier but it's a silent scene and you, you can see them touching, making out, kind of having this kind of very sensual moment with each other. And then, so this is uh, in the order of the episode, several scenes later where we finally see that, oh, Chiana is actually there in the bushes too. And then this is how it plays out. Hey, tasting the local spices, are we? Go away, you dirty They would stone you to death if I turned you in. Okay. They have banished me for being with nobodies. I would say they'd probably impale you on a pole. For shacking up with their prince. We're not shacking up. I would not tell anyone about this if I were you. I'm not even meant to be here. Who am I gonna tell? Exactly! That's what I want to know. When I put you on that prowler myself, how did you get off it? How did you get the what autopilot turned off? No, I don't want to know. Of course know. I don't. No, I don't want to know. What I do want to know yeah, what do you is know? does anyone you else tell me what you know, know that you're here? Of course not. I'm just sneaking around like I always am. Good. Yeah. We'll turn around Proud and sneak you. back to the ship. You know what? I think this captain thing has really gone to your head. Okay. Crichton wants you back on the transport pod now. Don't argue. The sooner she goes, she and all of us will be able to come back. It's your father who needs you now. He's right. So at the end there, Dargo is talking to Sukozu and Zarbet, and then you hear the shooting that is kind of the end point for all these little different clips. This is not the first time we've heard it. We've heard it with one of the Aaron clips. We've heard it with a different one of the Dargo clips. So the the shooting is kind of where it's all heading towards. Yeah. So there's a couple things going on here. Number one, Sakozu is like making out <laughs> with the pref the future prefect's son in like a hot spring. And Shiana does bring up a good point that like Shiana <laughs> was just messing around with like village boys. And here Sakozu is, she's like, nah, I got my eyes on the prize. Yeah. And 
Part of the issue here is that the prefect's son has been sent off world for his education, which is like another kind of common narrative thing. And it used to happen pretty often in colonialized societies, Mm -hmm. you know, where the royals would be sent to like England (laughs) for education. And now that he's back, everybody sees him as too foreign to be leading them. Mm -hmm. I felt very awkward with this scene for some reason. I think because the kid looks so young and because I couldn't to like tell if if the actress playing Sakozu was actually had to be naked on set or not. Yeah. But like you definitely like see him like cupping her boob and it was kind of like I was kind of like how far is this going to go cuz this is getting into like Lex territory, you know? <laughs> Yeah, we never see any boob on screen, but definitely implied for sure. And it's, it is a little awkward, but it's also kind of sweet. Like it's very much feels like a, an exploration and, and, you know, none of this passion and a quick fuck. It's just like, oh, the two of them are having this connection to each other and, and something very, it feels very much young love mm. or not young love, but young sexual, uh, awakening happenings, awakenings. Yeah. And it's, it was actually kind of funny seeing Sokozu there because I was just like, we have never really seen her in this kind of sexual situation before. Have we? No. I don't think we no, have. Yeah, she's... I think this is really kind of the first. I feel like she's flirted with people. Although the same for Jewel. Like, both of these characters come in with, like, really revealing outfits to be the, like, sexy person, you know? Mm-hmm. And yet neither one of them we've ever seen actually, like, having sex. Right. It's always Chiana getting in trouble for flirting and, and actually having sex and, you know, being the trollop. And she's even called a whore in this episode as well earlier. So yeah, so it's it's the first time we're seeing Sukozu in this role of kind of being, I don't know what, I wouldn't call her the seductress, but there's definitely her being cast in the sexy role or sexual role with the natives. Mm-hmm. I wasn't like super uncomfortable with it, but it was definitely different from what we usually see on Farscape for it. Yeah, I, I would definitely say different is the way. And also I think that Farscape usually does like sexy kind of subtle, but I think mostly that's just mm-hmm. Ben Browder and Claudia Black's ability to like have chemistry with each other like that's crazy. Because like we've talked about yeah. how I think it might have been in Meltdown, but there's like a I, fr- I remember vividly somewhere where there's a scene where <laughs> he literally all he does, she's fully clothed, he's fully clothed, and it's just his thumb like brushing mm-hmm. the bare skin at her waist. And it's like literally yeah. the sexiest thing I've ever seen. And it's 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 Meltdown, yeah. I think. And it's like, yes, this moment is like, you're right. It has kind of like the sweet <laughs> innocence of like them having sex in a hot spring and he's clearly a virgin. And I'm like, right. And I'm like, ah, oh, that's kind of cute. <laughs> but then also I love that Chiana is like, whatever, I'm just here to have fun. So I'm going to have fun with like the biggest, strongest, like farm boy that there is. And Sokozu is like, yeah. nah, if I'm going to do this, I'm going <laughs> to do this right. I'm going to go after like the political, you know, the one that would like make everything really uncomfortable politically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but that's the interesting thing about Sukozu though is it's like I'm not quite sure of her motives for it is she just attracted to him or is does she have like a larger game in play because she knows he's important or or what because she's later on we'll have some scenes with her and him and she's very much comes to his defense and also talks him down from things so there does seem to be a connection but at the same time, like, did it start out with one or not? Because that's kind of the gray area of Sukozu's character that we don't know. Chiana is very much a, ooh, see pretty thing, going to go screw pretty thing. Mm-hmm. 
And her relationship with Dario was very much a hot one of passion, where their feelings were all about having a good time with each other and getting it on as frequently as possible, whereas the more deeper stuff was what they really struggled with. Yeah. Yeah. And that's also why I like this scene is because I feel like you could still see the past relationship that Chiana and Dargo have when he catches up to them. And he's like, Chiana, what the heck? You know, you're not supposed to be here. Tell me, how did you get rid of the autopilot? And then I don't want to know. I don't care. So this is very contradictory message you're getting from Dargo as he's yelling at her. And then she's not listening mm -hmm. and she's yelling back. And it's very much reminded me of their relationship in season two or towards the end of season mm. two when it was so volatile was the personal stuff really started to get into in the way of their sexual relationship yeah kind of home on the budong feeling where like yeah he's gonna just be so angry and he's not gonna listen and even when she tries to explain he's still not gonna listen you know right and to be fair to him he's trying to balance this diplomatic situation because they need food and water and he mm -hmm. likes you know Gasha who's helping them out and she is again jeopardizing that just because she wants to and yeah. it feels very dismissive of what he's trying to accomplish well and then this kind of gets back to your your statement of Dargo is a captain because they all are giving him power mm -hmm. and it feels very much in this moment like yes Chiana might have voted him towards into captaincy but right now she wants to do what she's going to do you know yeah. so she's not going to give him that power in the same way yeah yeah and so that scene ends with them hearing the gunshots and Dargo running towards them we don't find out what happens with the gunshots at that point uh, we have another filling in of the events that goes on and the one i'm going to play next i can't remember what order it quite comes in because there's a lot of them but this one follows basically john and it encapsulates the conversation he has with Dargo and the conversation he has with Aaron, which, and I played them in the order that the uh, episode showed those two scenes in, but here we find out that in reality they happened in reverse order. So this one's a little long, but just bear with it. I am no ambassador. Well, you got Gashiao talking without giving away parts of the ship. That's better than I did. He wants us to leave. Well, it may not be revived yet. Well, I think it's important that the future prefect knows he can count on me. Hey, Moya's not just taking a catnip up there, you know. This tormented area of space is beating the crap out of her. And I don't know when I can get the systems back online, Captain! I think you should go. What if I don't want to, Captain? He respects me. It would help if I could show him that I have you under some sort of control. More or less. Right, I'll check in with the ship. Right, what's shaking up there, man? Is Janna back yet? I didn't know she was coming. Well, you know, Gianna, I guess that means Moya's senses are still out. <laughs> I am puzzled by off-worlders. Yeah, I know what you mean. I have concerns about you. <laughs> A lot of people feel that way. Your boss seems to think I'm okay, so... Be careful. The stairs are quite slippery. Thanks for the warning. Aaron, talk to Rigel. He said that Moya's still out of commission. How you doing? I'm getting a really bad ride. Oh, God, she's talking English. Vibe, it's a really 
bad vibe. Dargo may be right. Until we find another source of food and water, closing up the Kasha may be the only solution. Officer Sun? I'll, um, I'll get back to you. So at that one, while John is speaking, he's walking down the, these steps that are on the side of a cliff. And that person he talks to in the middle is another off-worlder who works for the current prefect. He's kind of got like a bald kind of head with hair at the back of these weird curvy things around the side of his face. And he grabs John abruptly and pushes him over the edge and holding him. So like he's like not dangling, but he's off balance. So it's basically a threat on his life. And... I think it's funny that he says, I don't understand off-worlders when he's an off-worlder in this mm -hmm. planet, too. Um, but that's what's going on right there in the middle. And then he's like, be careful, the steps are slippery, the whole assassin threat kind of thing going on. And then we hear John resume his string of conversations that happen. And in my interpretation, so Dargo and John talk first, and we hear the Scotty imitation again, and we see it's part of a longer conversation that we mm -hmm. have. And then while he's talking with Aaron, that's when I think Dargo is talking with Chiana and Sukozu because it was too long to include because it had lots of dead air in the in the quote. But right after that, John hears the shots, too. And then mm -hmm. he starts running towards the village. And so everyone is now converging on the village. And this is where we get to see Dargo get shot also. And mm -hmm. then we have John running in. And there's bodies on the ground. And Shah's been shot. And then you see John's astonished face. And it's he sees Aaron is the one who's the shooter. Well, Dargo tells him. He Dargo doesn't see Okay, never he mind. He doesn't or, see Aaron. Actually, what happens is Dargo sees Aaron. She shoots him without even looking at him. And then she walks away. And then she walks away. Okay. I just remember John's face and being like, oh, he sees her because we we know that she's the one shooting. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's where my confusion's from. I think he just sees the mayhem. He just sees all the yeah. dead villagers, you know? Okay. And okay. so after the cut to commercial... You know, everybody comes in and there was this other leader who was kind of having a power struggle with Ganesh and he ends up kind of questioning Ganesh's son's. Gasha. Yeah, sorry. He ends up questioning Gasha's son's ability to kind of go after. He's like, well, where's his weapon? He's not even up and ready to be bloodthirsty yet. You know, he's like an yeah. off-worlder himself. And so then the son now has to prove himself. You know, right. And he gets up in the other guy's face and says, I'll go avenge him as is my right and mm -hmm. or avenge my father as is my right and go hunt Aaron down. And John has offered to find her. Mm -hmm. And so he says he'll take John with him. So they go off into the forest and John is kind of trying to figure out why Aaron would do this, because not only is it out of character, but it's you know, unnecessary. So he's kind of musing to himself like, well, maybe, maybe this other guy just got in her way. Maybe she was trying to shoot somebody else. And that kind of sets off the kid because he ends up pointing his gun at John. And then we see that Sakozu forming her sexual alliance with him also has other ramifications. Maybe Gasha wasn't even the target. Maybe she was aiming at something else and he wandered into the line of fire. You're talking about my father. His blood is still wet on the ground thanks to your friend's vicious hand. It's my mistake. I was just thinking out loud, trying to figure out why. Why? Why an outsider would come all this way to kill my father, a good man. A 
my father was a good man. Are you going to kill him here? What? Did you come to question my resolve? Because I will avenge my father. I can handle this myself. By putting a gun to the head of the only person who can help us find Eren? I am leader of my tribe now. Which makes you what? Just like all the rest? Yeah. And so Sukozu is the one who's able to talk him out of shooting John for mouthing off. Even though John really wasn't mouthing off, he was just, as he said, thinking out loud, trying to figure it out. Because, yeah, when they figure out it's Aaron, Dargo's like, I know who shot me. And John keeps denying it. It couldn't have been her. It couldn't have been her. And Dargo's like, I know who shot me. Mm-hmm. And and even so, Dargo's willing to protect Aaron from the locals who are or angry the other tribal leader when he says like even if i knew i wouldn't tell tell you so even dargo doesn't think she's actually at fault at fault that Mm -hmm. there's something else going on yeah well it's just incredibly out of character for her to go on a killing rampage especially in a place where they need something from the locals and they don't really care that much about the local politics i mean dargo cares because he's empathetic with the the leader who he's made friends with gasha but at the same time it's like our Farscape crew usually doesn't care that much about the local politics. Yeah, yeah. So I think here, I don't know. I I like Sakozu in. I like Sakozu more than I liked Jewel initially. Although at this point, I like Jewel more than I like Sakozu because I've known her longer. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, I don't know. I think Sakozu is just super manipulative, and it's not really this moment so much as like the very end of the episode. But at the same mm-hmm. time, I do think it's hilarious. And I do think it is not accidental that Sakozu made this alliance that's going to help them in the long run, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so then they decide to split up and in a way that makes zero sense because (laughs) he takes the one that he trusts and is like, you wander along the riverbank, John. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't trust John. Yeah, I don't know. He's young. He likes Sakozu. He wants to spend time with her. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Uh, So he and Sakozu go up the go up Up the the ridge. Yeah, up the ridge. And John kind of is walking and he runs into Aaron or rather Aaron reveals herself to him. Yeah. So John is supposed to walk along the riverbank and search for her. But he knows that he's not going to find her that way. So he actually just sits down where he's standing on a log and he waits for her to come to him. And Mm -hmm. she does reveal herself to him. She says, I'm behind you. He says, what happened? Why did you kill those people? And she says, I have no idea why I did that. And at first, she doesn't know that she killed multiple people. She just thinks that she killed Gisha. And then John has to point out to her like, hey, so for one clean shot, how much shotgun oil does that use? Yeah. And so she pulls out her gun and looks at the chakan oil and he takes the gun from her as she's coming to the realization that she murdered a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So then the priest, who, like we said, is actually a pretty cool puppet, you know, definitely yeah. fits in. I would kind of say he's like a mix of like Grunschlick and the baby from the... Um, <laughs> the choice. The choice. Yeah. Where it's, but less creepy. Yeah, less creepy. I like him more. <laughs> like, his personality is less creepy. He looks kind of creepy, but he's he's not, like, the baby was really creepy, and Gunschlick is just gross. But he kind of looks gross and is about the same size as the baby, but but he's uh, much cooler as a person. Yeah, 
because he, he knows <laughs> the local politics. I guess to be the head yeah. priest, you would have to like have some mm-hmm. sway and be able to like be pretty smart politically. Yeah. And so what he tells them when he comes across Aaron and John is that so this is not the first time a head of a clan has been assassinated. There's been two other instances and but the assassins died like pretty immediately after it happened. So you're the first person to survive and we have to make you remember. And so then he and John and Aaron kind of hang out and try and get Aaron to remember what happened and she's like trying to think and she says I just saw this and I just saw this that's it I don't remember any of the other people and he's like listen and so she remembers the boy she remembers hitting the boy but then she realizes that was a hallucination and while this is going on there's a bug that bites John mm-hmm. and that's when she remembers that she was bitten by a bug Right at the very, very, very beginning of the episode, opening scene of the episode, while she's at her prowler prepping it for Chiana, she was bitten by a bug and she's got bug bites. And the priest dude is like, there ain't no bugs on this planet. <laughs> Which doesn't make any logical sense because the planet is like entirely swamp. <laughs> right. We'll go, we'll leave aside plant life and pollination and all that. But the point being is they slowly realize, Aaron realizes that the bug was involved. Then she has the kind of the realization that, oh my God, she did really kill those people. Her memory kind of processes and solidifies that she finally remembers shooting the whole like 17 people that she murdered in the middle of that village. Mm-hmm. And it's just, uh, the acting that Claudia Black does right there is just incredible. It's just like this, you can see the shift in, in her realization and Aaron's realization just through her body language alone. And it's really good. Yeah, it's so good. And then they have a really interesting moment where the priest actually makes them inhale like this smoke. Like they go and he like cleanses their body, I guess, of the poison because they're like inhaling smoke. Because now that John has been bitten, he actually immediately is like, I have to go before I kill the priest. And by the way, here's the weapon that I took from Aaron. So he hands over the weapon back to Aaron and he's like going to leave. But then the priest talks him into like just doing a cleansing ritual instead, which I'm like so much smarter. I'm like, (laughs) I don't know why you would be like, I'm just going to walk away from this. You know, I'm like, no, no, no. Let them tie you up. (laughs) Exactly. And then so the question now is if there's no bugs on the planet, Somebody had to have brought them, so is likely an off-worlder responsible. And the priest is like, you didn't bring them, I didn't bring them. What other off-worlder is there? And of course, that's when we cut to a scene of Chiana caught by the off-worlder. I think his name is Ielet, the one who, who, who nearly pushed John, threatened John on the staircase. And the current prefect, who is the head boss behind this plot to assassinate other tribal leaders. I can't remember his name. Yeah. So they have caught Chiana and are beating her around, mostly just bashing her head into a table and saying, why don't the bees work on her? Well, her species is immune. Nabari are actually immune to a lot of things, aren't they? Well, it makes sense to me, though, because they're super into like genetic modification. So it 100% makes sense to me that they'd be like, let's make ourselves immune to radiation. Let's make ourselves immune to bug bites. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much of that is adapting what was already there. But yeah, so so the bugs won't go after Chiana. So she's their prisoner. And she sees Ielat, the bug guy. So he's he basically does a little info dump of how they work. They're, they're like special bees that can use his mental energy to direct subliminal thoughts to cause people to do things they wouldn't normally do. And so she sees him producing these bees and she uses her, her eye trick, her instant see in the moment really detailed 
to see what's going on with it. And then those bees go out into the world after John and Aaron. Yeah. I mean, and I know, I, I understand, like, visually why, or I understand kind of, like, overarching plot-wise why she had to use her sight, because we mm-hmm. need to understand that it's getting increasingly dangerous for her to use it. And, like, you know, it needs to be clear that, like, oh, this is coming at a really extreme cost, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, I was like, he's literally standing right there. Like, I, <laughs> this isn't like, you know, you needing to memorize a code. So you needing to see a code really slowly. Yeah. Know? I was like, I didn't understand why she used it. <laughs> I had that kind of same thought at the same time about that but i guess she doesn't know she doesn't know what he's going to do so maybe Mm. that's part of it like she can't predict what's going to happen so she's trying to make sure she captures it Mm -hmm. that's my only inner universe in in universe explanation but then of course she loses her vision because the cost is blindness and so she's kind of on her own and so the bad guy walks out john and aaron are running towards her to rescue her or but they keep getting bitten by the insects yep Yep. And during the conversation with Chiana, she's like, are you guys okay? And they're both, when we flat, when we cut back to John and Aaron on the staircase, they're pointing their guns at each other. Mm-hmm. And they've just had a flash of shooting each other. And you could, this, the two of them just pointing their guns at each other. It's just like, you can tell that they're stunned and they don't want to be doing it. But there they are. Mm-hmm. So then they rush into the castle and she tells them that it is the offworlder who's buddy buddies with the current prefect and that the current mm-hmm. prefect wants to jumpstart a war. And so they free Chiana and they tell her, get down, don't move because she can't see. But then John and Aaron are pointing their guns at each other. Yeah. Well, the actually the bad guy comes in in the middle of it and they're able to shoot him, but not kill him. Mm hmm. And so he's still alive in the room and they try to shoot him, but they can't. And then while they're trying to debating that, that's when their guns go on to each other again. And we're going to play that one. Well then, we have a problem. Fight it. I am. What the hell's going on? Stay down. So, I have the strength to miss next time. I think I'm just a bad shot. You know, I really thought the coin toss ended badly. It did. And then they try to shoot each other again. But right before they do, Dargo runs in and says, Chiana, and she and Dargo tackle them to the ground so they can't shoot each other and then wrestle the weapons away. And then there's a scuffle with the bad guy who's making the impulse more intense for them to shoot each other. And they really don't want to. And John says to Dargo to knock me out and then hit me harder, you pussy. And it's so funny because I'm like, just use your tongue. What are I you know. doing? <laughs> but in the end, they shoot the bad guy, uh, no, or not to shoot don't. the bad guy. 
They the don't. The, right, the priest. The priest uses, he has like a spinning blade, like a battle bot blade on the front of his little hovercraft, hover throne, not throne, but his little hovering um, wheelchair thing, like, like, not wheelchair thing, whatever he uses to get around. Yeah, it's almost yeah. like a throne sled. Yeah. And, but anyway, he kills the, he kills the bad guy with that. So John and Aaron are free of their compulsion and they're left lying on the ground, like, holding hands actually while Mm -hmm. the denouement happens with the young new prefect or new son of the old prefect i don't know the young guy that sukozu was boning has the standoff with the current prefect who orchestrated this whole thing Mm -hmm. and basically he tells the guy look we could do it the old ways or the new ways either way you're going to be suffering the consequences of probably being torn to shreds Mm -hmm. and the the current prefect chooses suicide instead he jumps out a window yeah there's a lot going on in this quote though because i you have john and aaron like i love that bit where she forced herself to miss but he's like i think i might just be a bad shot <laughs> and i'm like yeah accurate oh, john <laughs> yeah but the the part that really gets me is when john says i think the coin toss came out badly and Aaron says it did because this coin toss are talking about the coin toss they're talking about is at the season three finale when they had this really emotional conversation about how much they love each other and how much Aaron can't be with him at the moment and John desperately wants to be with her at the moment Mm -hmm. and we find out that the coin toss really did make it so that they would split up you know and they, it's something that they both deeply regret at this moment when they're about to kill each other against their will. And I feel like it's like a declaration of love all over again, mm-hmm. of being like, that was crap. And I'm a regret that we lost that time together, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important that John says it here because... At this point, normally you would be like, gasp, Aaron's also said it. But at this point, I'm like, John, the dude who literally takes a hit of like, I don't know, like some numbing. I I almost want to say like, like heroin or something. (laughs) Every time he gets feelings about Aaron, he's the one that's kind of like, hey, I miss you, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, for sure. Because he's the one who's been pushing her back the last several episodes and here he is saying look i really wish we could have been together without the gap and the mess that that caused mm-hmm. yeah yeah so yeah uh i don't know my messy yeah. otp i know right <laughs> so then after the suicide we kind of have like a little more where Sokozu and the young prince are like hanging out watching the castle burn because he's been i guess elected into prefect because his dad was going to be and so it was just like his turn yeah he inherited it and so he's like burning the castle and he's like a leader must be with his people and i'm kind of like okay cool you know, whatever. <laughs> but then Sokozu gets increasingly uncomfortable during this conversation because he keeps being like, hey, you should stay here. And she's like, as your advisor? And he's like, yeah, and more. And then we can leave when my, you know, in six months when I, my term is done, you know. And mm-hmm. you could tell, at least I felt like to her, oh, this yeah. was like a fling. And she's yeah. like, yeah, okay. About um, that. <laughs> 
Yeah, because he's definitely like, let's get married. And she's like, no, I just got to go now. Yeah. And she does. She actually does a very, it's a very nice letdown. But at the same time, it's definitely, he's more invested in this relationship than she is. And she basically says, it won't work. I got to go and leaves and pieces out gotta give her props for like at least giving him like uh, like at least giving him a like it's not you it's me yeah and then we have chiana in the village hanging out with the priest she'd propositioned him earlier on in the episode and basically you know telling him about her visions and how it gets worse and she's afraid it's going to be the last time that she ever sees if she does it one more time and they kind of just have this nice little moment of bonding together of mm-hmm. you know he says like don't give up kind of kind of thing for her and then Sokozu comes over and Chiana's a little bit of a brat and then she and Sokozu kind of have this little moment of where Chiana actually apologizes for being a brat to Sokozu and they touch foreheads and Sokozu is helping her walk off because she got beat up pretty bad mm-hmm. and I don't know it's just the first time that Chiana and Sokozu are actually something other than antagonistic with each other yeah well, and weirdly enough, Sokozu seemed much warmer in that moment towards Chiana than she was towards, like, the prince dude, you know? Yeah. Like, she definitely seemed, like, fond of Chiana, you know? Right. Like, they were friends even though they fought all the time. Crewmates, you know? Yeah. yeah. So. And then we get Aaron at the graveside of all the people that she's killed while the little boy that she didn't kill kind of puts flowers on the grave of his mom. Mm-hmm. Or dad. And, uh... She's squatting down and John comes up and it's silent, completely silent, other than ambient noise and, you know, brushes her head with his hand. And it's just really this moment of comfort between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of heartbreaking at the same time because, you know, she killed these people against her will and she would never have done it. And she feels so guilty and horrible about it. And John is still there with her. But yet you, there's still this, I wouldn't say the the distance is still there between them. Like they haven't solved their relationship problems, Mm -hmm. but in Aaron's moment of need, he is still there for her. Yeah. That's really what it said to me. Like, despite their problems, they are still going to back each other a hundred percent. Yeah. I think that that's a good way of viewing it. I think that's a really good way of viewing it. Yeah. This was a, you know, a pretty solid little episode. Uh, There were things I liked about it. Definitely. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know. What did you think? I think it's about a three for me. Like, very solid, not really anything detracting. I thought that the stuff with the first half of the episode being, like, this layered kind of storytelling was cool. I really like that. I like that we got a little bit more of John and Aaron's story back in again, where they're actually, I wouldn't say, like, in a good place with each other, but the situation is such that it forces them to get past the relationship stuff a little bit, mm-hmm. where they you can see that they're with each other still, and they still love each other very much. So, from those points of view i liked it i thought i thought it was just solid yeah i don't know i think i'd go like a 2.5 for me because it was like solid i think you mentioning ugly truth made me think like ah oh, but they could have done like the layering better like i think leverage mm-hmm. and like ugly truth are like a good way of kind of like doing it better almost yeah but at the same time this was i didn't dislike this episode at all like i think it was very solid had a lot of character stuff i liked you know, mm-hmm. I, not as much as I would have liked, but, you know, you can't have everything. Yeah, it was a little light on more of the deeper stuff. It felt more of a little bit of, of little hits as opposed to any kind of broader arc. Yeah. 
I think that's a yeah. good way of putting it. Yeah. Let's see. Everybody's wearing their normal outfits for wardrobe watch. Um, yep. Erin's hair is in a ponytail. She's still got that really flattened hair. I'm still not sure I like her hair in this season. I kind of mm-hmm. like it wavy better from previous seasons. Mm-hmm. Or I like her season three ponytail where it's braided a lot mm-hmm. of the time. I don't know. Yeah, that makes sense. Next week, we have Coup by Clam. Yep. Uh, which is another one-off episode, I think. And we are Farscape Friday Podcast at Tumblr.com, Gmail, and DreamWith. And we are Farscape Friday on Twitter. So hit us up there if you want to talk or chat about the episode or tell us what you think. Mm-hmm. Please review us on iTunes. That's how other people can find us. iTunes or wherever you're listening to us. Stitcher, SoundCloud. Actually, I don't think we're on SoundCloud. <laughs> review us <laughs> wherever you're listening to us. There you go. That will help. And we will see you next week. Bye.